time. Sebastian Stan. Man, you're looking good. I'm here for uh, Forrest Gump. Right? Man, That's I, the, this is the premiere. Man, oh man, let me tell you something. Seat taken. <laughs> You ever see a guy this handsome walk in the streets? He's gonna get arrested because he's killing all the ladies. Look at that. Pow, 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 pow. Happy hauntings, horror fans. We have a very juicy episode this week. If you know, you know. We are going to be talking about the new horror thriller film Fresh that was just released on Hulu about a couple weeks ago and I'm super excited to chat about this one. Let's just jump right into a summary. So a young woman down on her luck with dating meets this young handsome man at a grocery store. The two start dating and a romantic weekend away turns horrific as she finds out his true motives. Okay, so next we can get into a little cast breakdown. We have Daisy Edgar-Jones, who plays Noah, and she is best known for her role as Marianne Sheridan in Normal People. Um, She was also in Cold Feet and War of the Worlds. Then we have our leading man, Sebastian Stan, as Steve slash Brendan. He gained recognition for the role as Bucky Barnes in Captain America Winter Soldier and kind of the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe franchise. He's been in you know, Civil War, uh, Winter Soldier, Avengers, Infinity War, Endgame, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, He was also in Gossip Girl. He's been in Once Upon a Time, Political Animals, uh, just a ton of different things. I, Tanya, and most recently he's been in Pam and Tommy, which I've heard really good things about. Um, But yeah, Sebastian has been crushing it and love him as Bucky Barnes slash the Winter Soldier. Then we have Janisa T. Gibbs as Molly. Um, She is a stand-up comedian, and she was in No More Comics in L.A. She had a reoccurring role in Good Trouble and was also on the scripted podcast The Left Right Game. Um, She is absolutely phenomenal and fresh, and I really want to see her in more things. Um, I loved her character. I loved her look, she just uh, was just so lovely, and I would love to see her headlining more things. She plays a pretty significant role in the film, but definitely is that like best friend character, and so would love to see her in more leading roles because I loved the role of Molly and I loved what she did with that. So, um, hope to see her in some more stuff shortly. Then we have Charlotte Lebon as Anne. She's a Canadian actress and artist, formerly a model and television presenter, and she's known for her work in Canal, talk show, Le Grand Journal, um, YSL, The 100 Foot Journey, and The Walk. Dio Okanini as Paul, and he was uh, Thresh in The Hunger Games, which I was trying to figure out when I was watching. I was like, where do I know him from? Because he looks familiar. And then when I got to do like the research part, I was like, oh, he was in The Hunger. He was Thresh. Okay, but he, he looks different because he's got a beard in this, um, which looks very great. Good for him. Uh, and then he was also in Terminator Genesis. Next, we have Andrea Bang as Penny, another Canadian actress. Uh, she was best known for playing Janet Kim in Kim's Convenience Store um, and then the TV show A Million Little Things. Lastly, we have Brett Dyer as Chad. He played uh, in Jane the Virgin. He was also in the show Bomb Girls and the LA Complex. And most recently, he was in the sitcom Schooled. And that kind of wraps up our little cast breakdown. So the music was done by Alex Summers, who I think did a really great job. There's some really good pieces in here, um, some older pop music, some newer pop music. And so the the film itself really feels kind of timeless. And I think that a lot of the the fear-driven aspects that director Mimi Cave kind of hit on and writer Lauren Kahn also hit on with, uh, you know, kind of what the whole movie is about is, is a timeless fear, is a fear that women have had for years because women have been treated as objects in society for years. Um, and so we can get more into that and we'll talk a little bit about an interview that director Mimi Cave gave about kind of, you know, the, the horror aspect of this movie because there are good aspects of horror and then also some comedic sides. And so um, she talks about how uh, it wasn't hard to create kind of that scary feeling or, you know, you know those, those scares in the film and in the writing because so much of it is already there because it's something that women in general are put through every single day. Whether, you know, there's a scene where our main character Noah is walking to her car late at night and there's a man following her and she does the thing where she puts 
the keys in between her fingers because she's like, I don't know if this man is going to try and hurt me or not. A lot of this stuff, you know, we can talk more when we get into it in the film of how that all relates. And I've got a lot of feelings about this film and kind of about that um, topic in general about women being seen as objects and women not being able to say no to men. And this kind of being, you know, a woman's worst fear is that finding out that this person that you've put time into, this person that you've grown to trust, then is going to ruin all of that and basically, you know, make make those choices for you and potentially decide to end your life. Um, and, and that has nothing to do with anything that you did. And so that can be a really helpless feeling as a woman um, going through kind of the dating scene and living your life and being like, you know, I'm trying to do, quote unquote, what I need to, to be okay. You know, you can carry the pepper spray. You can not talk to strangers. You cannot smile at people. You cannot do all of those things. But that that doesn't mean that some random man somewhere isn't going to see you and decide to, to take your life. And I think that that's something that is overlooked by so many media outlets when it's like, oh, you know, people, what is she wearing? What what do, what job did she had? Why was she walking out at night so late? Why didn't she call someone? Why didn't she take a taxi? And it's like, no, we should be able to go about our lives without fear of some man deciding that they're going to take our life from us for whatever fucked up reason they decide. So yeah, there'll be a lot of talk of that um, because this is a topic that I feel very strongly about, as I'm sure you can tell. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into a couple fun facts and then we'll just jump into the scene by scene breakdown. Uh, because this movie's so new, I don't have a whole lot of fun facts for this one because there's not been a whole lot of cool articles to read about this just yet, um, aside from like reviews and stuff that people have done. But super excited to talk about it. And yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Like I said, we don't have much for fun facts, but one of the big main ones that I noticed when watching is that the opening credits don't show up until about 33, 32 minutes, 33 minutes into the film, which feels very intense. But um, the director talked about how that felt like a very comfortable place to add the opening credits and gave the audience time to process what they just saw. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get into the scene by scene breakdown. Um, but that's kind of the biggest fun fact, I guess, that I have about this film. Uh, so let's just go ahead and jump right into our scene by scene. Uh, so we open on a girl in a car. It's our main character, Noah, and she's swiping through a dating app. Uh, then she's looking in her visor mirror, kind of examining how she looks, kind of sets up the fact that she's probably getting ready to go on a date. Uh, she's on the phone with her friend, Molly, and they're talking about the date that she's getting ready to go on. Um, the guy's kind of already being a jerk, um, kind of was a bit off-putting and insinuated that he wasn't going to be paying for her meal. And she's kind of unsure on if she really wants to go, but she's already there and she's hungry. So she's like, we're just, we're just going to go. She's telling her friend that, you know, hopefully it will at least make for a good story. They hang up and she gets ready to go inside. And so next we kind of see the date and Noah does not look like she's having a good time. She's kind of just spaced out on her food while the guy's talking about whatever it is he's talking about. His name's Chad. He's just rambling on about hot sauce that he likes. And he's like, I, you know, it gives me stomach problems, but I just love hot sauce, put hot sauce on everything. And she's trying to listen, but she's clearly not into the date. Like it's not going well. Uh, he then starts insulting her and kind of being really misogynistic. He's like, I just don't understand why like women our age don't wear dresses and like put an effort into how they look. And like, I think you'd look really cute in a dress. And like, why do women wear oversized clothes all the time? And it's just like, <sighs> it's very relatable, I think, for any woman who's been in society and also in the dating world um, that men, women, people older than you just feel like they have a right to talk to you about how you look and how you dress um, and what they think about those things, which is very frustrating. <laughs> uh, they basically decide to end the date, um, things done, and they each ask for a takeaway box and he takes her leftovers. He's like, so I'm just gonna, before she like starts putting hers into a box, he's like, so I'm just gonna grab this and like takes the box from her and starts putting her leftovers into it. He's like, my brother's coming into town, so I'm just gonna take these so that we don't have to buy food later. And it's like, that's so rude especially because he made her pay for her meal, but she didn't even get it. 
And he's like, it's fine because I'll pay the tip. And so it's like, but I'm not even getting, if she maybe ate like half of her food, like there was still quite a bit left. And ah, just like he could have just bought the meal. And it definitely feels like he went on that date to get like more than what he paid for. You know what I mean? Like that was like his whole point was hoping to, to maybe like get, he's just an asshole and he's in this weird scarf and it gets like in the food that he's eating. And then he just starts being rude to the waitress. And he's like, I need sparkling water and lemon juice. And they're at this like Chinese place, Korean restaurant. Um, not exactly sure which. And he's like, I don't think that she understood what I was saying. And I don't think that she speaks English. And it's like, just being a total asshole. So many red flags from this guy. And so as they're leaving, he lets the door slam right in Noah's face, which that's just rude in general. Like, that's just a red flag as a person. Um, and then they have this little awkward chat and he's like, oh, I had a really good time and we should do this again. And she's very confident. You know, she, she kind of takes a pause for a minute and then she's like, you know what? I really just don't think that we're a good match. And he gets upset and kind of like gets really short with her. And he's like, look, I was just being nice. You're not even my type. Good luck finding a guy when you're such a stuck up bitch. And he walks away, which is honestly one of the more positive ways that that could have gone because so many women are attacked and even murdered because they turn a guy down. And so I think that that's kind of the first scene in this movie where that kind of uh, that horror aspect comes in because it's like, oh my God, like, what is this guy going to do? Because she said, actually, I really don't want to see you again. Like, we're not a match. And she was very polite about it. Like, you know, she was just not feeling it. And I think that that's totally valid to say. And it's just sad that so many women are, you know, in that situation and are scared to speak their mind on things like that because they're worried for their own safety because they never know. You never know what a guy's going to do when you say that stuff. And it happens to more women of color statistically. And it's just such an issue that is just kind of, I don't want to say overlooked because it's a lot more talked about, um, but we're not seeing anything changing in terms of like restraining order laws and, you know, kind of the same publicity that white women who get murdered by their partner get versus women of color who get murdered by their boyfriend or partner or some guy that they were just on a date with. Um, and that can be really frustrating. You know, there's all of the like murdered and missing indigenous women that are, you know, the cases are just cold because no one's putting in the time or effort. And statistics show that, you know, two out of five murdered women are killed by an intimate partner. So, you know, someone they know, a boyfriend, an ex, a husband, um, two of five. That's a lot. That's a lot of women that, you know, are, are in that situation. And it's something that we could be doing at like a policy level to help protect them and just society isn't and po policymakers aren't and the police force doesn't care and it's very frustrating. Anyway, back to the film. So Noah is standing there shocked as this man basically tells, calls her a stuck up bitch and she's just like, okay, whatever. Turns around and leaves. She's walking to her car on kind of the side of the building, like in this little alleyway, there's like the little parking lot kind of, and there's this man walking behind her and she, you know, gets kind of worried. Again, I think we've all as women, any, you know, woman or female presenting person, um, feels, you know, has been in a situation like this where there's a person following a little bit too closely and you're like, am I just being paranoid or is this person following me? And it's always better to be safe than sorry. I've done the thing where I put the, you know, the keys between my fingers. I've got this big Loki keychain that I always think is perfect. Like the horns on it are the perfect size to stick in someone's eyes if I need them. Like, and that's a realistic thing that women have to think about every time they leave their fucking house, which is exhausting. It's exhausting. I want to be able to have a comfortable routine. I want to be able to go on a run every day at 7 a.m. if I want, but I shouldn't because I don't want a stalker and I shouldn't because that makes me an easier target for somebody who's wanting to do fucked up shit to women. So she puts her keys in between her fingers and starts walking a little bit faster, which again, I think every single female or female presenting person that you meet has had an experience like that. So the guy is a 
walking past her, like was not following her. Just one of those things where you're like, okay, I was probably better safe than sorry. But, you know, then you tell yourself you're being crazy and blah, 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 blah. So next scene we see is she is boxing with her friend Molly that she had been on the phone with before the date. And they're talking about the date and Noah thinks she's just going to be alone forever. And Molly's trying to encourage her. And Molly seems like just a great friend. Um, I love the relationship between the two of them. Very supportive, but also very caring. Um, you know, I think we've all kind of, we'll talk about it later, but I think we've all been a situation where it's like, we don't want to rain on our friends parade, but we also want to make sure that they're like grounded in reality and make sure that they're okay. Um, and so that they have to kind of, Molly has to walk that line, which I think is really important, especially in a story like this. And so we see Noah in her apartment later that evening and she's working, she's checking her dating app and she starts getting all these creepy messages from this guy. He sends an unsolicited dick pic again. I don't know. I think every single person that I know in the dating world who is interested in men has received an unsolicited dick pic before. One of the worst things to see. Men are trash. Moral of the story. Um, Noah kind of gets hungry, goes to her fridge, doesn't have anything because asshole Chad took her leftovers and she heads to the grocery store for some food. And this is where she has a little meet cute with this guy named Steve. He starts chatting with her in the produce section about grapes. Um, they kind of talk a little bit more. He's talking about his sister, his niece, like seems like a well-rounded individual. He asks for her number. He makes really bad puns, which would have got me for sure. Um, he seems normal and kind and he's making jokes. Not a whole lot of red flags in this scene. They're both kind of awkward, and he says, you know, introduces himself as Steve. And a couple days later, she's talking to Molly, and Molly's like, oh my gosh, like, why didn't you tell me this was days ago? Like, why am I just now hearing about this? And then Molly makes the joke, well, you know, he's probably married, so whatever. Um, we also find out that Molly is now dating women, so good for her. We love some representation, especially in newer films, um, you know, especially having a, like, black LGBTQ plus character. Um, love seeing that. Um, kind of reminds me of Jasmine Brown's character in the new Scream movie, which I can't wait to talk about. Um, just we, we love a LGBTQ plus woman of color for sure. Um, after they have lunch and kind of hang out a little bit, Noah ends up actually getting a text from Steve. She had been talking to Molly about how she hadn't heard from him yet and she probably won't. And it was just like a nice moment and kind of reignited her hope um, of finding a good relationship. So they start texting and they end up meeting for a drink. They are at this cute little bar. They're talking all night. Um, at first when they're talking, she learns that he's a plastic surgeon. He lost his mom. And and she lost her dad and doesn't speak with her mom. So they kind of bonded over losing family. Um, and she really opens up about hating dating because she doesn't really believe in true love. We find out that Steve isn't on social media, which can be a red flag. But I know someone who is one of the kindest individuals that I've ever met and a very sweet guy. And he's not a big social media person. He's on LinkedIn, but that's it. But he's absolutely lovely. And so I try not to see that as a red flag because some people just aren't into it. And that's okay. But Steve's very funny. And this the movie so far is feeling very much like a rom-com. Aside from those two little scary moments of her turning Chad down. And you're kind of like, okay, how is he going to react? And then her in that alleyway. This feels very rom-com. They're really hitting it off. Um, she kisses him at the end of the night and she basically just says, fuck it, which was advice that Molly had given her of like, just go for it. Just like have fun. It doesn't have to be like end game. It doesn't have to be this intense thing. Just go for it. Um, they go back to her place and he kind of pulls back a little bit and he's like, maybe things are moving a bit quickly, which I think for, um, you know, as, as like a woman and I think for Noah and her character to see it was a very comforting moment of like, oh, wow, okay, so this person isn't just after me for my body. At least that's what we're thinking in the beginning, which is always a good sign and it always feels nice to kind of have that validation of someone kind of liking you for you and then you kind of get into that whole back and forth of like, but do they find me attractive? And then that comes into a whole different thing, but we don't really get to that point because they do end up 
having sex together. They kind of like settle for a second and then she's like, oh, do you like want something to drink? Do you want like a snack or something? And he's like, no, I just want you. And so then they continue on with their thing. In the morning, she takes a picture of him sleeping, which like kind of weird, but okay. I guess it was cute. Still kind of very rom-com-y. And they seem really cute in the morning. She's like, she is like, I should make us coffee. And he's like, no, stay with me. And he's like, I'm not going to let you go. And it's, you know, very cutesy, very sweet. And you're like, you know, like if you're watching the movie, you've like seen the previews, you're like, I know this is supposed to be like a horror movie or like a thriller at least. And so you just kind of keep wondering when exactly things are going to turn. So that next day, Noah calls Molly and is telling her kind of all about her date. And she's like, it went really well and I really like him and all this stuff. And Molly's like, I want to stalk him on social media. Like, what's his socials? And she's like, oh, he doesn't have any. And she's like, that's that's not, I don't like that. (laughs) Um, That's a red flag. And she's like, no, like, it's fine. He's really nice. He's cool. It's all good, whatever. And so they kind of continue, Steve and Noah continue to see each other. They have dinner. And while they're talking, he mentions that he doesn't eat animals. He doesn't say that he's vegan and vegetarian. He just says that he doesn't eat animals. Steve asks Noah, oh, like, have you told anyone about us? And she's like, oh, just my best friend Molly. And so he's kind of asking about Molly a little bit. But it seems typical, like, I want to know about the important people in your life kind of a thing. Like, I like, I think that that's important if you're considering being in a relationship with someone, kind of knowing who's important in their life so that you can make sure to, you know, to like take an interest in that person as well. So they're kind of having dinner in her apartment and Steve's like, oh, we should dance. And they kind of have this little cute, awkward dance moment. And it's really cute. And this whole like, the whole time I was watching the scene, I was like, this is my ideal, like perfect date. I think it's so cute. And the fact that it was in a horror movie, just, I don't know if it makes me solidify that it's my perfect date (laughs) or makes me feel like I should change it. But I am not a good dancer, but I've always loved the idea of like either ordering takeout or having someone like cook me a meal and then just like slow dancing in like our house or our apartment or like one of our places or something. I just think that that seems very like lovely and intimate um, as opposed to being like in a crowded bar or some loud restaurant or something. And so, yeah, to kind of see that in this movie, I was like, dang. I don't know if I should keep that as my ideal date now because clearly things are going to go bad. And so after they kind of are dancing for a little bit, Steve's like, we should go away for the weekend. And Noah again kind of does the fuck it thing. And she's like, yeah, we should. Like, that's that sounds fun. And so Steve is like, cool, I'm going to figure out where we should go. It'll be like a nice surprise and we'll go away for the weekend. And Molly's a very, very rightly so a little bit worried. She's like, you don't know where you're going. Like, that's a bit concerning. And I would, I feel like I'd be the same way if one of my friends were like, hey, I'm going on, I like started seeing this guy. We're going to go away for the weekend, but I don't know where we're going. Um, and I think that my friends would also do the same thing with me. They'd be like, um, no, share your location and check in with us, please. You know, as a good friend would do. Uh, Noah's like, I'm going to send you pictures. I'll let you know when we get to where we're going. Like, I'll keep you updated. It's all fine. Molly's worried, but she's trying to be supportive. Kind of like I was saying at the beginning, it's really hard to rain on your friend's parade when you see them so excited. And like they could, you know, this looks like it could be a really great start to something that Noah is going to have. And Molly doesn't want to bring her down for that. So Steve picks Noah up and they are getting ready to go on this romantic weekend. But he says, wait, I just checked the traffic and it is horrendous. So we're actually going to stay at my place for the night and then we will leave together tomorrow morning to take you to the surprise that I have planned. Uh, They drive a long way, like out of the town into this really wooded area. And he says, he kind of tells her what the surprise is. He says, we're going to go to Cottage Grove. And she's really excited. She's like, I've actually always wanted to go there. And so that's great. And she tries to text Molly and let her know that's where they're going. But there's no service. And he's like, oh, it gets better when we get closer to my house. Like, it'll be fine. It's dark once they arrive. I don't know if this is supposed to take place like in the fall or when, but it's like, I want to know kind of how long they've been driving because that definitely seems like a red flag. But they pull up to this house and it is huge, like pro- like think a million dollar home type deal. 
gorgeous house kind of gives me like 70s vibes on the inside with like all the wood absolutely stunning great interior design for the set definitely uh they go inside and he fixes her a drink and he's like oh you should try and guess what's in the drink like i made you a drink but there's a little twist and so she takes the drink and she kind of waits and she's like peach and he goes no she takes another drink and she says apricot he goes no and then she takes another drink she goes is it nectarine and he's like yeah and then you realize that he did that so that she would drink quickly and drink like continue drinking um they're like chatting and he's like yeah this place in cottage grove is great they've got a hot tub i hope you packed a swimsuit blah 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 and she's having a really hard time focusing. She's like, I, you can like see that her vision's kind of getting blurry. She's like trying to steady herself. And he's like, why are you sitting so far away? You should come sit by me. And she stands up and Noah collapses on the floor. And Steve just looks at her and then gets up and fixes another drink. And then that's when we see the opening credits start. And yeah, Steve drugged her. And this is when things go from rom-com to horror movie. Very intense. And most women's biggest fears is that, you know, someone that they're dating or that they trust, you know, decides to do some fucked up shit. Um, and he seems so trustworthy. And, like, you really, that first 30 minutes, you're like, nah, this guy's cool. Like, this is a nice guy. But no. And, and honestly, statistics say that if you're going to be, like, attacked by someone, it's going to be someone you know. Um, you know, it's it's less likely to be just a random stranger. Um, it's most likely to be by, you know, kind of like I said in the beginning, an intimate partner, an ex-boyfriend, um, husband, that sort of deal. Even someone that, like, you see kind of in your neighborhood or you see at work. Um, definitely someone that, you know, kind of you see and have even if it's just a very small acquaintanceship with um you're more likely to be hurt by someone that you know than a stranger um and that sucks especially as a woman that feels crappy that people that you know of that you're just trying to live your life um you know can decide to try and take that from you and that just makes me very angry so Noah wakes up and she's tied up basically in the basement of his house um she doesn't understand what's going on she doesn't realize she's chained up at first and she's like asking questions. She's like, I don't know what happened. Like, how did I get down here? And he admits that he drugs her and she kind of laughs like it's a big joke. And then she realizes that she's actually chained up. And so she's like, Steve, you need to take this off. And she like Daisy plays this so well, like this acting, this scene right here. One of my favorites of the whole movie, the denial, the like brim tears, like like on the verge of tears and she's trying to hold it together but then everything is settling in of like the situation that she's actually like reality is setting in it's a great build-up you never know how you're going to act in this situation and I don't know if this is just me and like watching true crime and kind of you know being a horror movie fan but I've always felt like if I was going to be in that situation I would probably definitely be murdered because I would be cursing at the person who's holding me captive. I would be a total bitch. I would not make things easy for them. And they would probably just kill me because that's a lot less work than putting up with my bullshit. But at the same time, you never know how you're going to act. And she asks, you know, a terrifying question. And she says, are you going to rape me? And that having to try and process and even feel like you need to ask that question because in her head she's like that's the worst thing that could happen to me right now which is just terrible and he says no but of course that really doesn't make the situation better because then it's like okay but then why am I chained up in your basement um and then Steve just goes I'm gonna sell your meat and all the people are watching are like what the fuck did you just say and he explains that he has to keep her alive because the fresh meat sells the best. And he's going to take care of her. He's like, I'm going to cook for you. You're going to be able to take care of. It's all going to be fine. And Sebastian is so great in this. And just like playing that really creepy vibe. He's like, stop being so dramatic. And it's like, bro, you just told me you were going to sell my meat. Like, you stop being dramatic. Like, that's dramatic, Steve what a dick and also for and i don't know if this scene was on purpose but they put him 
a lot of the clothes that they put him in um, remind me of Ted Bundy. And this scene in particular, like the way his hair is and the way he's kind of standing and he's in this turtleneck and it just reminds me of Ted Bundy. And I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but I love that little like beck of of kind of that I don't know if it was supposed to be I don't want to say a nod because obviously you don't want to like give a nod to Ted Bundy because he's a monster but like yeah if if they're trying to create that parallel um it definitely worked if that's what they were going for because that's what I saw was Ted Bundy um so next we see Molly at work and she's calling because she's worried she's not heard from Noah. And so she's like, where are you at? What's going on? Um, but Steve starts texting Molly from Noah's phone. So she's like, oh, okay. Like she thinks it's her. She sends a, you know, she, quote unquote, Steve, sends a picture of what's supposed to be, you know, them exploring around Cottage Grove. And she's like, it's so pretty here and all this stuff. And she's like, oh, okay, like that's fine. And then we pan back to Noah and she's still locked up and she... And she realizes that there's two more girls down there with her who have been there for who knows how long. They realize that he kind of picks people who have no family or friends. This one girl, Penny, says, yeah, I was just in town visiting. You know, no one's looking for me. I don't really have any family or friends. And then there's another girl, Melissa, uh, down there as well. And so Noah wants to get out. And she totally has that final girl energy, like from the start, from kind of that denial and you know kind of that build that she has while everything's setting in it was like you could tell that she was like okay how do I now like get into survival mode um which I love and definitely has final girl vibes and it's great 10 out of 10 to Daisy she crushed it um so Molly's at work and she starts kind of getting another bad feeling because she's still really not heard a lot from Noah it's been a couple days she kind of reverse image searches the picture that Noah sent to her and it's for like a wellness retreat center or something like it's not it's you know just like a stock image on this website type thing and so she's like Noah you need to call me it's an emergency trying to get a hold of her but Noah had said hey like I'm gonna take a break from my phone which she really hasn't been on her phone that much because she's not answering Molly's texts anyway and Molly's like oh, okay and so then she's trying to like get Noah to call her because she notices this picture is actually not wasn't like a live shot that, that Noah actually took um so then we have this really interesting scene where Steve is in the kitchen in that like crazy beautiful house and he is dancing around the kitchen while he's preparing body parts so there's all of these there's like this giant leg on the counter and he's tenderizing meat and he's cutting it up and this is where kind of the comedy comes in because he's like preparing the the food he seems to be the food I hate saying that he's preparing the meat and he seems to be having fun he's dancing he's kind of laughing um he's also putting in like the girls' clothes in the boxes so that the buyers can feel closer to them he tells Noah this later on in the film it's all very unsettling and so he basically he he um draws them in with this oh yeah let's go away for the weekend or oh yeah let's do this and so he's got them you know with like a, a packed bag for a weekend so that then he can put you know underwear and socks and, and t-shirts and bras in with the meat um so that people can feel a closer connection to the humans that they're gonna eat I don't know it's creepy and it's weird and it's lovely like i I love this movie so much. It's so great. And it's terrifying. And so we see this man show up at the house and he loads all of these boxes up in a van and takes them away. So Noah is not eating, refusing to eat, and she asks if she can shower. And Steve is trying to make her laugh and he's like, come on, give me a smile, which is honestly one of the worst things to hear as a woman. They did, the writing in this is so good because you can tell it was written by a woman because she knows all of the like triggers and all of the things that women put up with on a day-to-day -day basis that annoying as fuck. <laughs> he turns, you know, as he's kind of letting her go and he says that, you know, yeah, he'll kind of let her go upstairs and take a shower, but she needs to behave and all this stuff. It kind of turns what she said on their first date around. He's like, you know, I'm not playing games. This is what you asked for. You asked for like authenticity and this is what you're getting. And it's like, well, it's just a classic narcissistic behavior. It's like, well, cut the crap, bro. Like, you're don't act like 
you being a murderer and admitting that you're a murderer makes you any better of a person. Like, it doesn't make you not a murderer, bro. So he takes her upstairs and she tries to look for an escape and then tries to run. I think the adrenaline, she just like, that fight or flight kicked in and it was just run. Um, she didn't have a plan. And so he catches her and as punishment, he cuts off her ass, which basically means that she's having to relearn how to walk and, you know, is going to have to be on the mend. And so that is how he stops her from trying to get away in the future is hoping to stop her from trying to get away in the future and he also uses meds that keep her awake um he says that he gave her an epidural so she shouldn't feel anything but she was awake the entire time that he was cutting her ass off which is just terrible um he is also like singing along to pop music while he's doing this like they're in kind of his like what you would call like his operating room and he's singing and just like having a good old time he's being a total ass no pun intended just a total ass so then molly decides to go to the bar that steve and noah went to and talks with the bartender who's actually an old friend of theirs and they talked about this while, while they were at lunch his name's paul i guess molly and him used to date and so molly says that she's worried about noah and wants info on steve she's like he must have paid with a credit card like, I just want to know his last name. Anything that you can give me will help me. And he's like, I don't want to lose my job. So no. And she's like, just think about it for me. And so he's like, I'll think about it. Um, and then she leaves. So Noah's finally eating a little bit, partly because she's taking pain meds for her ass removal surgery. Um, and so I think that she's eating so that she can like build up strength and, um, you know, be able to not get sick taking the pain meds that she has. And so Noah and Penny are kind of talking about wanting to hurt Steve. They're like having this little fantasy um, about, you know, wanting to hurt him and wanting him to die, which I think is totally valid in this situation. We also learn that Penny didn't have a full relationship with Steve. They didn't sleep together and she doesn't think any of the other girls slept with him either. Uh, and Penny has this great line. She's like, it's not our fault. It's always their fault. Meaning the men who decide to do these terrible things to women. Like there's nothing that they could have done or should have done differently. Um, you know, they should have been able to trust another human that they were dating, especially Noah. Like you thought you were in a relationship with this man and he was using you the entire time. Like that's not your fault that he is a terrible person and that he's this monster. Um, doesn't really make you feel any better and it sucks because a lot of women feel like that who you know are attacked by men they they replay that night and they go if I would have done that different or if I would have done this different or maybe I shouldn't have worn that outfit that I really liked and it's like no none of that has anything to do with it like you know we've seen time and time again from those art installments of the you know, like what I was wearing the night of and it's anything from, you know, like that short mini skirt that you wore on a night out with your friends to the sweatpants that your older brother's friend decided to, you know, do terrible things to you when he was over at your house. Like it doesn't matter once they make that decision and, you know, they decide that you could be wearing, you know, a, a full jumpsuit dressed you know, in gardening clothes to clubbing attire. Like, that's just men being terrible. Um, and that has nothing to do with anything that you did wrong. And I know that that's really hard to hear. Um, and it's really hard to accept that, sadly. You know, and that feels shitty too. Like, well, there's nothing you could have done to change it. And it's like, and, and that can be really hard as well because it's like, it shouldn't be up to us to change what we do to accommodate the monsters in this world. It should be up to policymakers and, you know, the law basically and for people to just not be shitty. Like it needs to be up to the men to take some accountability and say, hey, let's not hurt women and let's not take advantage of women and let's not be fucking assholes and terrible people. And, you know, that that the law should uphold those, those same values as well. It's like... You know, I don't know how many women are killed by their partner or killed by someone that they have a fucking restraining order against. And it's like, what the fuck was that piece of paper? We're not going to do shit. Like, ugh. anyway, now we're getting off topic because I'm irritated about this whole topic. As you can tell. 
So Paul, the bartender, finally gives Molly Steve's full name. And she starts looking him up on Facebook and finds, what do you know? This motherfucker's married and has a whole ass family. Again, no pun intended. A wife, two kids, and a fucking dog. Noah is getting stronger and she's healing. She's able to walk a little bit more. We'd love a final girl moment. Um, Steve takes Penny and we hear her screaming the whole time. And you're like, I don't know if Penny's going to come back. And that's like very unsettling, of course. Because then that means that Noah could be there by herself. Because we've not heard a whole lot from Melissa. Melissa's kind of out of it. She's been there the longest um, out of the three of them. And so, yeah. Molly drives to Steve's family home and basically confronts the wife about everything. And she's like, that's not my husband. I've never seen that man before. Uh, Molly's trying to keep Paul in the loop and actually shares her location with him in case she's like, in case things go bad and I never come back. And he's like, ah, whatever. Um, but Steve comes in to talk with Noah and he vents about his day. He's like, oh, today's just been really rough. I didn't sleep that well last night and blah, 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 blah. But she's playing it really well. She's like, oh, like, you know, I'm sorry. That sucks. And he gives her this little pep talk and he's like, some things just don't work out how we thought. And it's like, yeah, no one plans to be cannibalized, asshole. Like, oh yeah, sometimes life didn't. It's like, no, that happens when you're like on your way to a concert and you get a flat tire and you're late. Or, you know, that happens when you don't get the job that you uh, have been wanting your entire life or that you've been working towards for years. Like, that's things not going according to plan. Being cannibalized by the person I thought was going to be my boyfriend wasn't even in the realm of possibilities. Friggin' asshole. Steve leaves and tells Noah to relax because fear isn't good for the meat. He's like, fear and stress isn't good for the meat, so I need you to chill. And he leaves, and it's like, so helpful, thank you. That, you know, I just wish when that I'm stressing out, someone would tell me to relax and immediately I feel great. <laughs> Noah's kind of flipping through these magazines that are in her little cell room area and she finds notes from other girls in there, basically giving her pep talks of like, take him down, like he likes you and you need to use that. And it's kind of heartbreaking because it's like, well, those girls are clearly gone and, and over they've expired so to speak and that just sucks um so noah is now trying to talk to penny but penny's not answering and noah's clearly like freaking out that's one of like the first kind of big kind of freakouts that we see noah have throughout all of this is thinking that she lost penny that she lost kind of the only person on her side um penny finally replies and then noah's able to calm down very quickly and Penny's like, I'm done. Like, I don't even know who I am anymore. And they kind of again go back to fantasizing about hurting Steve. And Penny's fantasizing about Steve dying. And um, as, you know, as she's talking, we see buyers unpacking their boxes. And so we're back with Molly. And she's still talking with his wife. Um, and, you know, she's like, no, like I saw my husband this morning. That's not him. His name's not even Steve. And then we go back and we see Steve, um, like, goes and checks on Noah, and they're talking, and she's like, you know, what, what does it taste like? And he's really excited to kind of have this chat with her, and they kind of talk about, you know, that whole process, and he's like, it's really great, and all this stuff. He says it's exquisite. That's the word he uses, exquisite. And Noah's acting like she was just curious. She's like, oh, and, you know, because he's like, why? Like, why do you want to know? She's like, I don't know. It's just like curious, you know, no big deal. She's acting like she doesn't care. She's like looking at herself in the mirror and kind of like fixing her hair a little bit. Steve decides to leave, but you could tell he was very intrigued by the whole conversation. So next we see Molly in the house talking to the wife still. And she's like, my husband's name is Brandon. And at that moment, this motherfucker walks in the room. And you're like, that's, that's Steve. I don't know a Brandon. Um, and he's like, I don't know Noah. Um, you know, I've never met her before. I don't know anything. Like, I'm sorry. I think you've got the wrong house. And so as they're kind of walking Molly to the door, Molly takes her phone out and calls Noah's phone. And it's in his fucking pocket. And so he gets to the door and it starts ringing. And Molly's like realizing, nope, I was 100% right. This motherfucker, nope. And he goes, oh, I really wish you wouldn't have done that. And at that moment, Molly gets hit over the head from the wife. I don't know what she hits her with. You can't really tell. Um, but yeah, hits, hits Molly over the head and knocks her out. Uh, so Paul is checking his phone. He's trying to contact Molly, but the text doesn't go through. 
Steve takes Molly to the house and we kind of see a montage of people eating the meat multiple different ways, multiple kinds of people. Um, Steve's operating and thank you for being a friend is playing. And so you kind of get this worry that he's kind of killing Molly um, right off the bat, but we don't know kind of for sure. We don't get to see like exactly who he's operating on or like what's going on. So Steve goes to Noah and wants to know why she asks what it tastes like. And she's like, no, like I really was just curious. And he brings her clothes and says that they can have dinner together so that she can try it. Uh, meanwhile, Paul checks Molly's location and it shows that she's out in the woods, kind of where Noah um, and, and Molly and like that house are. It's in that area. He screenshots it because he doesn't really like what he sees. He gets a little um, unsettled, I think, when he sees that. And Anna, the wife, is cleaning. She gets in the shower and she's actually missing like from, I'd say like mid-calf down. Um, she, you know, she's an amputee. And so it makes you wonder like, was this Steve's first victim? And now it was like a weird Stockholm syndrome type, type thing. Like, is this how they met? I have so many questions about like Anna and that whole thing. Um, but Anna and Steve talk and he tells her, you know, I'm going to be home late for work, from work tomorrow. Um... And so she knows like all about his job and what he actually does. And I don't like it one bit. Um, and he also tells her good teamwork today. And it's like, what? And so it makes me wonder like how much of a willing participant is she in this? Like at the end, she seems very willing. And so I have my own theories that we can maybe talk about at the end, but I'm, I'm not sure. Like I have so many questions. So we see Steve out for a run and he goes back to the house and he takes a piece of like basically human leg jerky and eats it and like like it's just you know like a post one run like a post run protein thing is like no thank you and he's preparing more meat and he's got this huge walk-in freezer just full of body parts all tagged and dated with like names and dates and you know it's like arms and legs and a bunch of kinds of stuff it's very creepy we see Steve prepare more meat and we see Noah and Steve having dinner. They talk about how Steve kind of got started in the whole community and the whole time, every time Steve kind of turns his back because he's cooking, Noah is looking for possible escape routes and looking at, you know, the knives on the counter and looking, you know, at different things that she can use. Um, he's talking more kind of about the community and giving over, give, like giving yourself over to someone. Um, you know, he's like, it's, it's a great honor to like, that's, that's real love and fully giving yourself over to someone. And it's like, yep, yeah, love should be consensual. This like holding people hostage and amputating their body parts to then ultimately kill them to sell those body parts for people to eat. Like that's not consensual, Steve. <sighs> he says it's love and I disagree. That's not, I don't think that's what love is. And if that's what love is, then I don't want any fucking part of it. Um, he says the community is basically filled with the 1% of the 1%. These people see this as something that no one else can have. You know, only the elite of the elite can have this human meat. It's gross. Um, and he also says that they only eat women because they taste better and that's what the market is. There's really not a big market for men. Noah tries a meatball. Basically, Steve prepares this pasta dish with this big meatball on it. And I hate to say it, but whoever did the cooking for this and like the food prep it looked like good food like it looks like a nice bowl of pasta and I'm not a big pasta fan but it looks like a nice light sauce with good spice good garlic and and a, and a pretty decent sized meatball but the fact that it's a human I just ugh, it makes me a little a little queasy and so before she takes a bite she's like is this me and he's like no it's not he says that it's a woman named Hope he says that this meal costs about $30,000. And Noah and Steve kind of joke about the woman's name being Hope and Noah keeps him on the hook kind of about liking it. She's like, no, it's like, it's really, it's really not bad. Like, that's fine. And she's selling this so much so that Steve, you know, trusts her more. He takes her back downstairs and as soon as he leaves, she starts making herself throw up. And then we see Steve get Molly on the way back up. And we're like, okay, so Molly's still alive. So it wasn't her that he was operating on in the room. Um, and Noah still doesn't know that Molly's there. Paul checks Molly's location again and sees that it's not available now, but he thankfully has a screenshot on his phone from earlier. 
Penny and Noah are talking and we finally see Penny on the other side of the wall. And there was a part of me while I was watching this was like, is Penny a fake person? I was like, is Penny real? Even though like we did see Steve walk away with a person, there was still a part of me that was like a little bit worried that Penny was going to be just acting, you know, like was, was going to maybe be Anna or something like that, you know, like, and it was just going to be an, like another twist that maybe Penny wasn't real or Penny was a part of it the whole time. Steve brings Noah a dress and says that they're going to have dinner again. And he's like, okay, so be ready at seven o'clock. And she's like, I don't have like a clock in here. I don't know what time it is. And he's like, I know. And they like kind of joke about that. Um, they're both getting ready. And, um, you know, he takes her chains off when they get upstairs and he doesn't chain her to the table. Um, he pours each of them a glass of wine and he's like, I'm not gonna, you know, don't worry, I'm not gonna drug you again. And she chugs her wine like very quickly. And it's like, I feel like same if I was in that situation because it's probably, could be very, it could be your last night. At least I'm gonna have a nice glass of wine. He cooks them pate, which is liver. And she asks who this is. And he says, Melissa. And of course, Noah feels terrible because that's the other girl that she had talked with down in the basement um and then noah kind of makes a joke and she's like well that's boring like she tastes really good and her name's so basic like melissa like that's kind of a boring name and they're both making really awkward jokes but she's trying and like and and it's hard and i'm sure some people would be like what the fuck but at the same time like she's in survival mode right now she is saying and doing what she needs to to survive. And I think that that's totally valid in this situation. Like I said, nobody's going to know how they're going to react in this situation. I think I'd be throwing shit and fucking shit up and cursing a lot. But at the same time, that's not going to help me get out of the situation alive, most likely. Most likely, you know, your best bet is to be as friendly as possible to the person holding you captive. So Steve shows her this like weird shadow box thing behind this painting in his house full of everyone's stuff, but she's not in any of the boxes. And Steve says that he has all of her stuff and she sees all of the phones lined up and she recognizes Molly's phone. So now she knows that Molly's there. They sit down and they're eating again and they're kind of saying more stupid jokes and she, Noah starts making like bad puns um, and Steve's eating it up like literally. Again, again, no pun intended, but he's literally eating it up. Noah starts crying a little bit and Steve's trying to calm her down. And he seems to feel bad, but it's really hard to tell if this man has actual human emotions. I still don't know. Um, she says she feels bad because she doesn't feel bad, like about eating the people. And he does that really lovely thing that I, I oh it's so such a it's such a great touch but it's like ah but he's the bad guy where like she's crying and he like kisses each of her tears and then kisses her on the forehead which like my partner does that to me when we have to say goodbye because we're long distance and I start crying and so I'm like that's very sweet but also you're terrible she says that they should dance she asks if if he wants to dance and um they go to the living room and they kind of have this like little dance sequence and they kiss and they end up in his room she uses the bathroom and then she comes back in and they're basically acting you know like they're definitely gonna sleep together again is what it is alluding to um and she is getting ready to she's getting ready to service him i guess you could say yeah we'll, we'll go with that she's getting ready to service him and she bites his dick which, like, good for you. 10 out of 10. Good job. And she, when she went to the bathroom, she had grabbed toothpaste, and so she bites his dick, and then she puts toothpaste in his eyes so that he has a hard time seeing. 10 out of 10. Final girl move. We love that. She goes down to the basement to go get the other girls. Uh, she grabs the phones. She gets Molly and Penny, and they try to escape. They make it upstairs, and they all try to fight Steve. And he's clearly having a hard time because he just got his dick bit. Everyone lands solid hits on both sides. Like, the girls are crushing it. Like, absolutely love it. They didn't finish Steve off, though. So he gets up, and then he starts landing some good hits on them. He almost chokes out Noah, but Penny stabs him in the leg. And then Molly climbs on the counter and gives him this great kick right to the side of the head. Oh, chef's kiss. I freaking love Molly. And at this moment, we see Paul driving out to where kind of he last saw Molly's location on her phone. And he's like, I don't like any of this. It's dark. We're in the woods. This is not a good situation. 
he finds the house and he's super confused. He's like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know if I should go knock. I don't know if I should just leave. Like, in these situations, usually the black man does not do well, so I should probably just get the fuck out of here, which that's also survival mode, and that's fair, Paul. And I don't, that's good for, you know, get out of there. Go ahead. This, you're not in this yet, and that's okay. The girls get outside, and they're basically running through, like, the backyard area. Paul gets out of his car to kind of look around, and he hears Steve yell Noah's name. Steve is struggling. He's been beat the fuck up, and he's like, you lied to me. I can't believe that you lied, and it's like, bitch, you lied first, so cry about it. How does that medicine taste, Steve? Your own flavored? Like, you lied first, bro. Uh, so the girls split up a bit and Paul hightails out of there after hearing gunshots because Steve started shooting like toward the direction of the girls. Anna shows up at the house um, with this like henchman guy because she was trying to get a hold of Steve and he wasn't answering the phone. So she and this henchman guy drove out there. They see blood everywhere and they're going to go look for Steve themselves. She's like, go get flashlights. Let's go figure this out. And the girls all attack Steve, beat him up. And Noah shoots him in the head after asking him to smile, which is just, again, 10 out of the 10. She like holds the gun up and she's like, why don't you smile for me? And I was like, yes, yes. We, uh, we love a petty final girl moment. Beautiful. The girls run and Noah goes back for her phone, which I get why they did this. But at the same time, like Molly had her phone. I'd have been like, I don't care about my phone. I just need to get the fuck out of here. And so she goes back and as she's going back for her phone, kind of in the woods by where Steve was, Anna finds Steve and says that they need to get his body on ice. She tells the like henchman guy, she's like, we need to get him on ice. So it's like, is she going to sell him or is she going to eat him? Or is it both? Like, I want to know more about Anna. Like, who the, who the fuck, who the fuck is Anna? Uh, so Noah finds Anna and Anna acts like she's also a victim, which makes me wonder like, how are you involved in this? Because she's like, oh my God, like you got him. I thought we were never going to be free of this. I thought I was never going to get away. And Noah's like very confused. She's like, who are you? Like what's going on? And Anna tries to strangle Noah. Noah's able to stab her. And as they're kind of struggling, Molly shows up and kills Anna with this shovel. And she's like, I came to you for help and you're terrible. And Noah's like, who? And so after like Anna goes down, um, Noah and Molly both kind of collapse and sit down like up against this tree. And Noah's like, who the fuck was that? And Molly's like, oh, that's, that's Steve's wife. And Noah's like, he was married? <laughs> or no, she says, he's married. And Molly goes, he was married. And they both laugh and the movie ends. Well, they laugh and then it pans to, um, Noah's phone and Chad, the guy that she dated from the beginning, sends that very basic uh hookup text that says you up question mark um and that's actually how the movie ends but it's so good and i want to believe that the girls were able to get away and they found paul as he was leaving and they got out and they take down the entire uh, freaking empire of people eating people but that is the end of fresh I loved it. Um, I'm actually going to post some articles about, you know, women being uh, attacked by men. Um, you know, I, I know that can be a really hard subject for some people, but I think there are, you know, some really good statistics out there and some really good, um, interesting things to read. And so I've got a couple of articles that I'm going to post um, that I found really kind of um, helpful and definitely important to kind of keep that in mind. And, um, you know, as much as it sucks that women have to take this on in order to keep themselves safe, but, you know, I want to just make sure that I can post uh, some resources and some stuff to um, kind of just spread more awareness and, and make sure that women everywhere um, and identifying, you know, women as well um, can hopefully feel safe and secure with, with what's going on around them because um, it can definitely be scary to be in situations. You know, of course, I, I doubt very many of us have been in this specific situation where we were um, going to be cut up and eaten, but, you know, any kind of unsafe situation involving um, 
you know, a man who has power over us is, is terrifying. Um, and so I've got a couple of articles that I'm going to post. Um, but I really hoped that you guys liked this episode. Um, I had a really great time watching this. Uh, I didn't really know a whole lot about it before I watched it. It was actually recommended to me by two friends who watched it before I did. And they were like, you're going to love it. You need to watch it now. Um, I'm super happy I did. It's definitely going to be one of my classic rotations. Um, and I hope that it continues to get good publicity and stuff because I think it's, 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 a, it's a very fresh perspective, I guess you could say. Um, it's great, uh, you know, I definitely want to support women writers and directors, um, especially in the horror franchise because we don't get them that often. And I thought this was absolutely spectacular and spoke to so many real fears that every woman has experienced um, or sadly most likely will experience in their lifetime. Um, I hope that one day that can change and that we can, you know, have consistent running schedules if that's something we want to do and not feel like we need to take different ways home every time we walk to and from the bus stop and, you know, that we don't have to worry if we switch bags that we transfer over mace and tasers and things like that. You know, I think that those things are important and I, I want everyone to stay safe, but um, I'd love to one day live in a world where we don't have to be as proactive as we have to. Um, but yeah, um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and I'm so excited to come back next week. Um, I've got a fun one for us for April Fool's Day. I'm not going to give it away so you guys will see it when I post it, but super excited to do that one. It'll be a little, li- a little bit more lighthearted for sure. But um, again, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we're also on socials on Instagram and Twitter under M Murder Movies. So that's M as in Massacre Murder Movies. And I hope everyone has a safe and lovely week. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Stay safe and stay spooky.